1: everybody, and welcome to The Health Hub. I am your host, Kathy Biase, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we welcome you to the show. Good morning, Alex.
2: Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm very excited.
1: Oh, good. I don't know what or who chooses the music before the show, and I don't know who is able to hear it, but that was the most calming, peaceful music I've heard in a long time.
2: Well, I'm glad you... uh you you enjoyed it. I did, enjoyed I did. It and I hope our listeners did too. Uh,
1: yeah, I get a few minutes before the show starts to sort of collect my thoughts. And um, that was that was beautiful. I didn't have any thoughts, as a matter of fact. So I'm coming into the show blind here.
2: <laughs> well, we'll let the Holy Spirit guide us. Uh, yeah, as yeah,
1: let's try that one. I hope that works for sure. So how's your week been, Alex?
2: It's been very eventful. This past weekend, I was at a uh, blues concert. And on Saturday, of course, I was fortunate enough to make it to the Jays game.
1: Oh, you want to see Alex's light, eyes light up. You won't be able to see it, obviously, but three and a half back. I know. Okay, it's getting exciting. It's yes. getting, finally. In fact, the last two weeks, I think I've lived the whole summer. We've done so much in the past two weeks. The weather's been decent. The Jays are three and a half back. It's like everything's come together for us.
2: Yes, it's it's been pretty pretty exciting ever since uh Steve Pierce hit those uh grand slams yeah. to finish those games off.
1: Back to back. And I was at um I was at Boots and Hearts this weekend, which was a blast. This is my second year going. Have you ever been to that one?
2: No, I haven't.
1: Uh, it was a lot of fun. We saw Luke Bryan on the, the Sunday and Keith Urban on Friday. It was delayed, it was pouring rain. Um I don't know how those kids do it camping all weekend. My son was up there as well and it's not something I'd like to do, the camping part, but the music is sure a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, music does definitely speak to anyone. It's one of those universal languages, as they say.
1: It is. And, you know, I think, if, you know, I was reading about it. I think that they had about 40,000 kids there, 40,000 people there, people of all ages, actually. And so well run and well behaved. I've never really seen an incident. And uh, the music is always great. People are having a lot of fun, everyone's under control. It was great. And we, um, our Italians left this weekend as well. So, you know, because of them and thanks to them, I saw downtown Toronto, the distillery district. We went canoeing. I went to the Rogers I, Cup. i so tell you,
2: it's always fun to have family over. You get to show off the city and spend some time in the city yourself. So. Uh, and
1: learn about the city, honestly. Yeah, exactly. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, that Rogers Cup was a blast. I think I mentioned it, that I went to it last week. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm going to be heading back there. That's extremely well yeah, run I, as I well. Went,
2: I went last year. It was a lot, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I, you know, the men are coming back. I think we did a great job this year. Our Canadian, our Canadian people were were well represented and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Sure. Today's going to be a great show. It's something that I think we can all use some information on and it's emotional eating. Sometimes emotional eating tends toward uh, a really serious issue and then sometimes it's just trying to get emotional eating under control and those incipient sort of times that it happens. I I think I can't believe that all of us at one point or another hasn't had a bit of binging because of uh, some sort of emotion that's risen to the surface. So I'm looking for some guidance along that line myself. And our guest today is Vinci Choi. She is a registered dietitian and she's based in Calgary, Alberta. She takes a collaborative and a compassionate approach to nutrition that is rooted in the philosophy of health at every size and intuitive eating. Vinci believes in helping clients learn to listen to their body, which is so important and something that I really believe in too, and their inner wisdom when it comes to making decisions around food and eating. Vinci was born in Hong Kong and raised in Calgary. She received her Bachelor of Science in Nutritional Sciences from McGill University and completed the school's Integrated Dietetic Internship Program. She is a proud and active member of the College of Dietitians in Alberta and Dietitians of Canada, and is also a certified craving change facilitator, which I'm sure she will tell us about uh, when she comes on after the break. So we will take a short break right now. And when we come back, please have your questions ready. You can email us at thh@radiomaria.ca, at radio but don't be afraid to call in. Our number is 416-245-1534 or tweet at Kathy And we'll get your questions on the air for Vinci. We'll be back shortly.
3: This time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe We believe So let our faith be more than anthems Greater than the songs we sing And in our weakness and temptations Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion.
0: are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: We are back live, everybody. Our number to call in is 416-245-1534 or tweet at us at Kathy underscore We are talking about emotional eating with our guest, Vinci Chu. Welcome to the show, Vinci.
4: Thanks for having me, Kathy.
1: Oh, very happy. I know that I, I didn't say your last name right. So can you say it for me? Choi. Choi. Okay. I just asked you that five minutes ago. I apologize for that. it's not spelled how it's pronounced. It's not. I totally get it. (laughs) It's not. And I've been practicing the way it looks, the way it looks. So I apologize. I apologize. But by the end of the show, everyone's going to know your name and sit down backwards. So it's all good. (laughs) Before we get started, um, when I was reading your bio, I read that you are a certified Craving Change facilitator, and uh, I didn't know what that was. Maybe you could explain to everybody what that is.
4: Sure, definitely. So Craving Change is a program that was developed by a psychologist and dietitian. Um, They were based in Calgary, but now the psychologist Colleen Cannon is based out of Vancouver. So it's a program that uses cognitive behavioral therapy to help people with problematic eating, emotional eating, so fits very well with what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, because there is a certification in this and a training program, emotional eating is is something that is probably a little bit more pervasive than the average person would know about.
4: Yes, definitely. I think sometimes... Um, people have this image of emotional eating as someone, you know, breaking up with their boyfriend, for example, Mm -hmm. and sitting in front of the TV crying over a pint of ice cream. Mm -hmm. Um, But emotional eating can look a lot of different ways. Um, I've had people say, you know, they like to chew over their problems. So, you know, if they're stressed about something, they notice that they're eating more or um, even that boredom eating, right? When you feel like you don't have anything to do and you're eating just to kill time, that is a form of emotional eating as well. So it's not just the very intense emotions that people often will associate emotional eating with, but even some of those more, I guess, less intense emotions that people are um, eating as a response.
1: And why is this seeming to become more of an issue these days?
4: Um, I think people see emotional eating as an issue, um, often because it like, it is associated with, yeah, like you were saying earlier with um, Alex, that it's uh, the weight gain, um, and people kind of see that as like a bigger issue. Um, but to be honest, I think um, emo- it's important to take away the guilt around emotional eating, um, I would say in some ways emotional eating is almost a natural thing. Because if you think about it um, from, like if we think of our ancestors, for example, uh, if um, eating wasn't something that was pleasurable, then we probably as a species wouldn't do it and then we would have starved to death and not survived as a species. So I think eating for pleasure is something that's a very natural thing to do and we don't want to feel guilty about it. However, I can definitely see it becoming problematic when you are using eating to um, distract or numb from certain um, unpleasant emotions and not really dealing with what is actually causing those emotions. It can also be problematic if eating is the only sort of solution that you know um, to these unpleasant emotions. So, yeah, so um, it's not all emotional eating is problematic. You know, we eat to celebrate and um, or we eat, you know, just to be social. And I think those are very acceptable things, but it can be problematic if you are using it as a crutch for negative emotions.
1: So it sounds like we can call this um an issue of a spectrum sort of idea. You can have, yeah. you can have it uh, a very low issue where someone does have a, a stressor in their life and they just jump into that that tub of ice cream and it's a one off, versus someone who is using it really as a tool to manage. And that's mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's what you're saying. That's where the issue comes into play.
4: Hmm. Yes. Exactly.
1: Okay. Well. When you're dealing with someone who comes to you in practice, how mm-hmm. are you able to decipher the point where you feel that this is becoming problematic? You know, where you have to go beyond saying, you know, that was a, a one issue, and maybe next time we'll work at it this way, to the point mm-hmm. where you're really diving in deep to, which could was something that could end up as a real physiological issue.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I think... When someone gets to the point where they are seeking professional help from a dietitian or a therapist, like that's already kind of a red flag that it is an issue for them. Because I think if it was just a one off for, for someone, they wouldn't you know, think to say, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe I need to go see someone about this. So the fact that a client has walked in and sought help, that already is a sign that, OK, like something deeper is going on and this is not just a one off thing. Um, And then for me, I think it's so important to listen to a person's story because, Mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of listening to, you know, why they feel it's problematic or what does this quote unquote problematic eating look like? Um, And yeah, really getting an idea of what's going on because it can look so different for different people.
1: Is emotional eating always tied to a weight
4: issue? No, um, no, emotional eating is not always tied to a weight issue. Um, yeah, thin people can eat emotionally. I think, you know, we all know those people who seem to eat all the time and eat everything under the sun and not gain a pound. So no, emotional eating is not always tied to weight.
1: Do, do you get many people who come in to you um, for help that are in that sort of camp they're thin but they haven't they they realize they have an issue with emotional eating or is usually weight loss the first step for people to walk into you and say you know i need some help
4: um i think like because of my role as a dietitian um people often associate the work that dietitians do with weight loss weight management so i would guess that the people who would seek out a dietitian tend to be people who are living in a larger body whereas Um, but occasionally I do get people who are in smaller, thinner bodies, um, who are seeking help. But I almost think that, um, often they would tend to lean towards looking for a therapist or psychologist as opposed to a dietitian. Okay. Yeah. It depends on the person.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sure you're well enough versed in, you know, with all your training, when you see that this is becoming a real health issue, how do you approach somebody you know what maybe we can get into what what you've seen as health issues coming from, uh, stem to emotional eating and and how you might um, you know where the line is between you're able to help them and then they need additional help
4: mm-hmm. so I think like if the reason behind their eating yeah does stem from you know deeper emotional or mental health issues like. Depression or anxiety, definitely very important to refer out to a psychologist or, ther- or therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, sometimes when people describe it as, oh, it's just stress eating or it's boredom eating and it's not those, um, you know, deeper mental health issues, like, there are some things that we can sort of work on um, in kind of a dietitian client sort of relationship. So, kind of like I said, if when someone comes in, for me, it's so important to sort of listen to kind of their story and what they're coming in for. So, maybe, and often how it manifests for a lot of people is snacking at night. So, um a very common story that I hear from a lot of clients is that they say, you know, I eat very well during the day. I have a good breakfast. I, you know, pack my own lunch. I eat a very balanced supper. But then after supper, I am just seeking and snacking all the time. So that's a very common way that kind of this emotional eating will manifest. Um, so the first thing that I actually look for is like, whether or not it is emotional eating, because one thing that happens is that when people tell me that they're, quote unquote, eating very well during the day, um, it might be a sign that they they are a dieter and they are restricting during the day. So when they say that they eat well, it's they're eating very small amounts during the day. So when it comes to the nighttime, it's actually physical hunger that's catching up with them. Um, But you know, people think, oh, I can't eat a full meal or even a snack uh, or even plan a snack at nighttime. And so they're munching on different things. And so the first thing I try to do is make sure that I'm taking care of physical hunger. So a few strategies that I get people to do is making sure that they're eating regularly throughout the day. So um, most people get hungry every three to five hours. So a very common place where there's a a large gap in time is between lunch and supper. So it's very common for people to have lunch at noon and then they're not eating supper until six or seven o'clock. So they come home, they're ravenous, they're snacking while they're eating, while they're making dinner, um, or they have larger portions at dinner and then they're snacking all through the night. So, one strategy might even be adding snacks in the middle of the day. And the thing is, when you plan a snack, you're more likely to make a better choice than when you're just kind of seeking for things, um, when you're hungry late at night. So, so planning a snack or making sure that people are eating every three to five hours and, or even, um, if somebody has supper at like five or six, but they 're not going to bed until ten or eleven. It might make sense that they're actually getting hungry in that time in between, so yeah, sometimes it's planning to have a nighttime snack at eight or, or at yeah eight o'clock or something like that um instead of waiting until um, they're hungry and they're just kind of grabbing whatever they want in the pantry or the fridge so
1: you can so get caught up in nothing. a vicious cycle can't you uh, you know i'll tell you mm-hmm. you've kind of. Hit on sometimes the pattern that I get into, you know, up and out early, not having breakfast. And I know that that's a no no, but, um, you know, especially when I'm professing that you should be having breakfast. But, you know, in real life, there are some days that, you know, you just can't have the pristine diet. And the other issue, too, is when I'm making dinner and I'm tasting things, you know, oftentimes Mm -hmm. by the time I go to sit down for dinner, I'm not hungry. Yeah. (laughs) So so then and then it becomes, you know, it it, it hits eight or nine o'clock at night and I am hungry. And Mm -hmm. then I know I shouldn't be eating, but I still do eat. So there, I guess there's a crossover between what we might call emotional eating and and trying to decipher emotional from the physiological aspects that that are sort of hitting our brain at the same time, our brain and our gut and everything.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think um you know, especially being the dietitian, like I think sometimes even before we even get to the emotional stuff, making sure that we're taking care of that physiological hunger so that yeah, when that's taken care of, then and if you're still noticing kind of eating at night or whenever, then we know for sure okay. We we settled the physiological hunger, we know it's not that, we're more prepared to deal with the emotional hunger. Because if you're if you have both going at the same time, you're fighting against two hungers, of course, you're going to want to eat or binge or um, and so if you're we're at least taking care of the physiological hunger, there's one thing that's taken care of, then we're more prepared or equipped to deal with the emotional hunger.
1: Why, why do we get food cravings?
4: Hmm. So it's so very interesting because I think we see so many memes on the Internet these days that say, oh, you know, if you're craving chocolate, it's because you have a magnesium deficiency and you should eat like, I don't know chicken or something Mm -hmm. like that. And like, we know chicken is not going to satisfy a chocolate craving. So when you have a craving, it's very rarely because you have some nutrient deficiency or something like that. That's very interesting. mm -hmm, More often than not, it is coming from an emotional place. Um, And so, I, I I work with some um, or I follow some dietitians who do a lot of somatic work. Um, there is a lady, her name is Oh Anita, and I don't remember her last name, but she wrote the book Eating by the Light of the Moon. And one of the things is she does a lot of um, she makes a lot of connections between sort of the flavors of food and and how it might necessarily relate. To, um, yeah, the craving. So oh, her name is Anita, Dr. Anita Johnson. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, so yeah, so her idea is like, when we crave sweet things, it might actually be a sign that, you know, our um, life is missing sweetness. Or if we crave, um, you know, crunchy things, like we're looking for, yeah, kind of some excitement in, in our lives or something. So it's not A one-to-one connection. I mean, this is this is more for interest sake. But when I find that when we get cravings, often it's yeah we associate that food um, with an emotion, even if it's just as simple as um, pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, often when we get food cravings, we're looking to, it's more often to satisfy an emotional hunger than any sort of physical hunger. And definitely not because we have some sort of vitamin or mineral deficiency.
1: It's a very interesting topic, emotional eating. And obviously, from what you've said, it's it's not a straight linear fix. There's a whole, Mm -hmm. it's like a, a ball of yarn, and it's getting Getting to, you know, the ins and outs and all the, the issues that go into everything. When we get back from our break, Vinci, um, I'd like to talk about about a couple of things. One being your tips for helping us to get out of emotional eating and maybe recognizing emotional eating. And the other is mm-hmm. a topic that I find very interesting is... People, um, you, you kind of alluded to it, they're on the internet, they're trying to get all the nutrients and they can overeating, perhaps because they have a, an idea that they need to pack their day full of all the nutrients that that they are told that they need to eat, which can lead to overeating and, and emotional, you know, guilt, even. So I, I've run into that. And I'd like you to maybe talk a little bit about that when we get back. Um, we're going to take a, about a three minute break here. And then we'll be back to talk more with Vinci.
5: Break every chain Woo! To break every chain Break every chain Break every chain There is power Come on. In the name of Jesus Come on, you declare it There is power In
6: the name of Jesus
5: There is power To break every, break every chain, break every, chain, break every chain. Come on, set to break every, break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army.
0: You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy
1: Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, please call us at 416-245-1534 one five three four or you can tweet at us at, at Kathy underscore Biasse. We are here with Vinci Choi and we are talking about emotional eating. And I wanted to get into a couple of topics with you Vinci but I got a funny question on Twitter and uh, I wanna I wanna pose it to you. I don't know if it's actually a question or if it's a comment and you can comment on it. And and what she says is I always crave carbs after after I eat. I know I'm full and my issue is I don't feel guilty or I feel guilty that I don't feel guilty about eating these. What's her issue?
4: Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) So, so she says that she feels guilty that, that she doesn't feel guilty about eating carbohydrates yeah
1: she craves carbohydrates is what I'm gathering and has them after dinner even though she's not full so she said she always craves them even after dinner after dinner when she knows she's she's you know she's not hungry at all and she feels guilty that she doesn't she uh, basically I I, what I'm assuming is that she really enjoys her 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 bad eating habit
4: that emotional eating (laughs) (laughs) I well it's interesting because I think Our society has made out carbs to be some sort of, um, yeah, nutrition bad guy when I think that is completely undeserved. Um, and so I would, I think the first thing that I would question is whether there are carbs in her dinner. Because it is very common for people, because of the demonizing of carbohydrate-rich food, um, that, yeah, that people just have meat and vegetables or they just have a salad or something like that. and um, And so it's almost like your body knows you're missing that one component that you need. So it's totally okay to have potatoes or pasta or rice like to have a balanced meal um, and so I would totally I would I would even question whether there's something um, that yeah just physiologically going on when she's like okay I've eaten you know my dinner of salad or whatever and now I want something a little bit more because the interesting thing about carbohydrates is um, is that our brain prefers to you or prefers to use glucose. So the only time when our brain doesn't use glucose for energy is when we are in ketosis. So if we're following a very low carb diet and there's no carbs that our body has access to. That's when um, that's when our brain will switch over to use ketones. But any other time, it prefers to use carbs for energy. So if you're not feeding your body enough carbs, but like you're still eating more than what your body needs to go into this ketosis state, then your brain's going to be like, ah, oh, what's going on? I don't have any, any energy to work from. And I almost would wonder whether it would make more sense for her to include carbs with her dinner because I'm guessing the carbs that she's choosing after supper tend to, would tend to not be as healthful or whole foods um, compared to what she would include in a dinner meal as her carbohydrate.
1: Okay, very good answer. Hope that helps you. Um, uh, you know, i I'm trying to figure out a way to get a show in with, you know, the high fat versus the, the you know, uh, balanced diet sort of thing. It's such a hard topic for people to weigh through. I'm constantly dealing with it back and forth uh, mm-hmm. And in my own, even in my own head, you know, I, it, it's a totally different show, a totally different topic, but it is mm-hmm. a tough one for people to try and fess out when they're trying to eat healthy, which brings yeah. me to a question that, um, it, it's a personal question actually, because I'm running into this quite a lot in practice and it's an, I think it's a fairly newly quoted word called orthorexia and mm-hmm. It's basically what it is, is trying to eat to get all the nutrients in your diet that that you you assume that you need. And so careful about what goes into your mouth, Mm -hmm. almost to the point where it's it's obsessive. And I'm wondering if you are seeing this in your practice.
4: Um, I haven't seen it personally in my practice, I don't think. Well, I'm like, now that I say that out loud, I'm like, okay, yeah, like I have had one or two people who are uh, leaning towards that. But I mean, it's definitely something that you hear a lot of, or that you might even see a lot of in the media. And I, I agree, it's getting a lot of attention, um, especially because it's often we see it in um, even fitness professionals or nutrition professionals. Um, like this orthorexia. And yeah, it's exactly like you say, it's this obsession of, um, you know, eating perfectly. And, um, and we know that there isn't one perfect diet. And I think that's what makes nutrition so complicating for people is because in our heads, we're like, okay, we want to, we want to do good, we want to eat healthy, we want to nourish ourselves. But What's difficult is that there isn't one single way to do it. And so then people kind of get lost. They're like, well, what do you mean that there's no right answer to this? And and so, yeah, but uh, that that obsessiveness, the orthorexia is definitely something I think we are seeing more of in general, for sure.
1: Well, you've touched on something that, you know, was definitely within the, the framework of your bio and that you teach people to listen to their own wisdom So let's take Mm -hmm. um, some time now, you know, people are listening and they want some, you know, some help and I I know it has to be sort of broad sweeps that you're going to give them, but maybe you could tell us what in your mind or what you strive for as a positive connection with food and how you can take steps towards achieving this.
4: Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So, um, as I said in my bio, I work from an intuitive eating um, sort of framework. And intuitive eating, if you don't know about it, um, it's actually a book (laughs) that's by two dietitians in the States, Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Resch. And um, the idea behind intuitive eating is that, We, as a society, have so often um, relied on external cues to tell us, you know, what or how much to eat. We follow diets, we read articles in the newspaper, or or I even had someone recently, like, basically judge when she needed to stop eating based on when other people around her stopped eating. And so with that we've lost touch with our own internal cues of hunger and fullness and satisfaction because like we we've stopped giving ourselves permission to enjoy food because you know all these diets are saying you know food is fuel or food is medicine and you should only eat xyz and not eat you know abc or whatever and um so what intuitive eating is about is is really um starting to tune in again, you know, listening to your body and just kind of being like, what does hunger feel like in your body? Or what does fullness feel like in your body? And giving yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods, because really, when you think about it, all foods are morally equal. You know, there is, yes, like, foods are different from each other from, say, a nutrition standpoint, from a taste standpoint, but when we talk about, like, good or bad, you know, all food is really neutral. They're all morally equal. So, one of the little mantras I use is that all food is good and all eating serves a purpose. And so, yeah, sometimes the purpose of that eating is not nutrition and that's totally okay. Um, you know, sometimes you eat something just because it tastes good, or sometimes you eat something just because it's a certain holiday or a certain event. And like you eat birthday cake when it's someone's birthday, or you eat, um, candy canes and gingerbread cookies when it's Christmas time. Um, and like, it's not there to feed or it's not there to give you a ton of vitamins and minerals, but that's okay. And I think it's yeah um giving people that permission again um to allow themselves to eat and enjoy food because we have we're always we're constantly bombarded with these messages that we're doing it wrong or that we're not good enough and um yeah, just kind of going this back to this idea of like you are good enough and it's and it's okay
1: and there are fixes available, so if you do overeat at Christmas time and you have a little bit too much of the stuffing in the the apple pie you know, you can take time later to maybe reset.
4: Yeah. And, and just know, and that, and also just really just accepting, like, it's a, it's a choice. It's almost like a choice in thing, So you always have a choice and, you know, maybe like, yeah, Christmas you overeat and, you know, whatever that's the, that's the reality of Christmas. Like you're not a bad person for overeating at Christmas time and, um, you know, you just, yeah, take care of yourself and be compassionate to yourself and, you know, just, cause I think the stress of beating ourselves up for overeating or for eating quote unquote the wrong food or the bad food probably does more, has more of a negative effect on our health than overeating or the quote unquote wrong or bad food itself.
1: You know, I, I long time ago, someone told me before I even started, uh, you know, in in this this field that, you know, telling children to finish your plate or to eat everything on it and you don't get your dessert unless you have your vegetables really does a disservice and pulls us away from that intuitive, intuitive notion that we have or our intuitiveness. And, yeah. you know, I unfortunately was through a couple of kids before, um, <laughs> before I really took this to heart. And with my last one, she's a, a, f- a few years younger, so there's a gap of about five years. And I've really sort of paid attention to not putting any sort of restrictions per se or those type of, of qualifiers on eating. And she is 18 now, and she's still... And I, and I can't do it. I have to admit, I can't do it. You know, she'll have something that she's truly enjoying. Let's say a piece of pizza. And mm. she'll stop eating with two bites left. And mm. I think, you know, that is, that's is, that's the way it should be. You know, when you're full, yeah. you stop eating. Do you think that maybe, you know, as, as we're cultivating relationships with our children, that, you know, we need to be mindful of not putting these thoughts into their head. And maybe the, you know, the genesis of some of these problems might, you know, not, not so much, you know, grave problems, but some, some issue with eating may start and on how we put these qualifiers on, on our plate in front of us.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, just the whole feeding relationship and um, is, is so important, but I don't, Want like parents to feel like they're doing something wrong. Um, the And the thing is, like, it's never too late to start intuitive eating or it's never too late to go back because the thing is, like, this is how we were born. Like, we were all born intuitive eaters. You know, when you look at, say, a a breastfeeding infant for example um yeah they know when they don't want anymore and they know when to stop and so this is something that we're naturally born with so don't feel like oh you know oh i messed up because i told my kids to clean their plate or oh i messed up because i told them they had to yeah they had to eat their broccoli before they got ice cream Mm -hmm. or something like that it's it's never too late to kind of yeah um repair your relationship with food or kind of restart and, and reset. So mm-hmm.
1: good to know. So how would you work with someone? Maybe you can give us steps towards cultivating um, our intuition back and, and towards intuitive eating.
4: Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things that um, I think we, we are really bad about as a society again, is we are always go, go, go. We're very busy. And one of the things that our brain naturally does is that, um, yeah, we put some things on autopilot because we only have a certain amount of brain space and your brain's like, oh, I really want to make sure that I'm using it on this really difficult work that I have versus eating. And so it takes time to train your brain to even slow down with eating again and turn off that autopilot with eating. So step one, I always say, is press pause. And um, even if you get to practice pressing pause before your regular meals and snacks, it makes it a lot easier to press pause when you're kind of in that space of, I have no idea how this bag of chips ended up in my lap, (laughs) and I also have no idea how that bag is empty now. Um, And so so step one I always say to people is press pause um, before you eat. And first thing is, like, check in to, like, how you feel before your meal. So if you know, okay, I know I'm going into this meal hungry. Okay, well, what does hunger feel like? How does it feel like in your stomach, in your head, in your body? What are the thoughts that go through your head when when you feel hungry? Like, what does hunger look like for you? And then as you eat your meal, like, Take your time, slow down. I know one thing that I'm bad at sometimes is that the next bite of food is in my mouth and I'm not even done the first bite of food. So yeah, wait until your mouth is completely empty before you take your next bite. Um, There's a lot of mindfulness and mindful eating is becoming more popular these days. So to me, what that means is using all your senses to experience food and just experience the action of eating. Or the event of eating um, without judgment. So it's there. It's not that you know eating is good or eating is bad. It's eating is neutral, and this is my eating experience. And then once you get closer to the end of the meal, check in. What does that feel like? What does fullness feel like, or satisfaction feel like, or? is there a difference between being comfortably full and uncomfortably full, right? Like where do you get to the point where you are, you know, yeah, that you're satisfied and you're ready to stop eating versus, you know, you're eating past and you're getting to that Christmas stuffed <laughs> or mm-hmm. post-Thanksgiving stuff. Um, and so even just kind of paying attention to your hunger signals. And so why that is helpful Um, And to practice that even just with your regular meals and snacks is that when you get into those situations where you are eating, and you know, it's not because of hunger, then you can kind of pay attention to that, right? Like, because then you're like noticing that you grab that bag of chips again, and you're like, okay, press pause. what does it feel like in my body right now? And you might notice, oh, like, it's not the same feeling that I get, you know, before I'm eating lunch or supper, for example. Like, I don't have that same feeling in my stomach. I'm not hungry. What's going on? Why am I reaching for this bag of chips? And Sometimes people are able to pinpoint that emotion, you know, maybe they're saying, oh, it's because I'm bored, or oh, it's because I'm just used to having a snack at night, it's sort of become a habit, or oh, it's because I'm stressed, I just got off the phone or had an argument or had a long day at work, or this is just my way of unwinding, if you're able to pinpoint that emotion, Then it gives you options because then you can say, okay, I know I'm doing this because I'm bored or because I'm stressed or because I want to relax. Then you can say, what else can I do that will satisfy my, that emotion of boredom or stress or wanting to relax? And it could be, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe you do an errand in your, at, at home. Maybe you go for a walk maybe you um, take a nice bath, maybe you watch a funny video on YouTube. So then, yeah, so when you are able to kind of check in and be like, what's going on? What does my body really need? Then it gives you options. And sometimes you decide, I just want that bag of chips, like those chips are the only thing that's going to satisfy what I need right now that's totally okay. I think often in this journey, people think that when they do end up eating anyway, that it's a failure and it's not, it's a learning like, because you still took that step to check in and you still took that step of pressing pause, which is something that you wouldn't normally do. And yeah, sometimes when emotions are very intense and you're, um, and you're not used to dealing with intense emotions in any other way. Um, then, yeah, like food is just what you turn to. And then that's kind of a sign for you to be like, okay, I do need to talk to someone about this, or, or I do realize there are some intense emotions that are going on that I need to work through that I might not be able to work through just by myself if I notice that I'm still turning to food.
1: So recognizing the cues are important. I have to get mm-hmm. this, this tweet out to you. We only have a couple of minutes left, but it basically oh. says work, coffee room, donuts, help and I'm sure you can't do that in a minute but I I had to get that out there to you what do you do when there's a social pressure for you to eat and you really don't want to eat
4: well like it's it's interesting because yeah it'd be like okay um is, 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 it, is it really social pressure is, like, my question, because if it's, like, the donuts that are just sitting there, like, and someone's not forcing you to, like, it's not really pressure. But I get it. Like, food is there. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, yeah. Even if it's just, like, press pause and be, like, okay, like, the, am I just eating this because it's there? Or, like, what am I trying to get out of this donut if I do eat it? And even, yeah, and when you even ask yourself that question, it, it gives you options.
1: Okay, so you're giving us actually permission to enjoy our food as long as we examine, you know, examine some of the cues. So it, it's a great, it's a great positive ending to the show. And, you know, at the end of the show, we do a tip of the day. And, and Vinci, if you could give us a tip of the day, you know, something around the, what we've been talking about, I'd appreciate that.
4: Yeah, and I I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it is press pause. Um, So, yeah, and even if it's just practicing pressing pause at the beginning of your regular meals and snacks where you're going in like non-emotionally, then it allows you to kind of have that baseline of what it feels like before you eat. um, So that when you are kind of having more of an emotional eating sort of episode, then you're able to feel like, okay, like, is this the same feeling that I get before a meal before a meal that I normally would sit down to. How does this feel different? And like, yeah, what else can I do to satisfy this feeling that I may be having right now? So press pause and then asking, what do I really need? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, eating that donut. And that's totally okay, too.
1: Well, that's a terrific way to end that show off. So I thank you, Vinci, for for joining us. And Vinci Choi, if you want to reach her, she has her website, I will spell it out for you now. And if you miss it, you can certainly contact us. It's uh, Vinci, V-I-N-C-C-I-T-S-I-U, that's pronounced Choi, Vinci Choi.com, Dot com but if you missed it like i said contact us we'll put you in touch with her. terrific person to know and i think to sum it all up don't feel guilty you know understand yeah. don't feel guilty and we will all be in a better place for having those positive emotions associated with our food so once again thank you so much vinci for joining us and that's it for the health hub this week we'll talk to you again next week